in a series called Back to Normal. And uh, what we're talking about is getting back to normal. What is normal? And are there some things that we don't want to get back to? And are there, there are some things that we wished we had done all this time that now maybe as COVID ends and as we, everything begins to calm down, we can begin some practices. We can begin some things that um, maybe we didn't do prior to. And that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning is may, maybe looking at some things different than we've looked at in the past. That back to normal might be back to better than normal. And uh, what I want to talk about this morning is prayer. It's, Christians are kind of weird. And if you're new to faith, if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to the Bible, uh, or maybe you left and you're coming back, maybe one of the things that um, is puzzling is this reality. We pray to a God that we've, we believe can stop something from happening that allows things to happen. And then we pray to that same God to fix what he allowed to happen in the first place. And for a lot of people, that's really tough on their faith. And maybe you've experienced it yourself. Maybe you've had a loved one that was sick and you went and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed that God would not Uh, that God would heal that person, that they would not be sick anymore. And then they got worse, and you went back and you prayed that God would, you know, either take them out of their suffering or what have you. And it's the same God, and it's the same prayer, and yet uh, the the outcome is different. Um, When our son was experiencing all the things that he experienced in epilepsy, and we would pray that the seizures would stop. We'd go to our heavenly father and pray that the seizures would stop and the seizures would get worse. And then we'd go to that same God and say, hey, well, don't let them get any worse. (laughs) And then they'd get worse. And then we'd go to that same God and say, hey, how do we get um, out of this or, okay, can you give us strength to get through it? And I'm just telling you, because I've been around Christians a, a, a long part of my life, and I'm a Christian myself, even me verbalizing what I'm saying right now is making some of you uncomfortable. Because you're like, man, John, you're not letting God really win right now, because you're saying you prayed to him, and he didn't do what you wanted him to do, and then you prayed that it would get better, and it didn't. And then you went back to that God and said, okay, it's not going to get better. Give us the strength to at least get through it. And that's odd, and it's hard, is it not? And for some of you, maybe that's part of your faith that, that maybe if you've gone away and, and you decided to dip your foot right back into faith again, maybe it's taking you years. Maybe it was something like that. You prayed for something really fervently and then you suffered loss and you wondered either God's absent or he's just not that powerful. And if he's absent, I don't want to worship that God. And if he's not that powerful, what kind of God is there that isn't that powerful? And if that conversation makes you uncomfortable, well, there's supposed to be a tension, and that's why we call it faith. Okay? Otherwise, it would just be called fact. 
It's like, what religion are you? I'm fact. I, this is what I do. I just, whatever the facts are, that's what I do. But what, what's intertwined, the tension that holds this, this Christianity together is this faith, this idea of faith. And I actually am, didn't, what was supposed to be, what I'm about to tell you now was the slide that was the Wesleyan quadrilateral that I had up there by accident. It's the process of prayer, not the product of prayer. That's why we pray. We pray for the process of prayer, not the product of prayer. God is not a vending machine. God is not um, uh, this cosmic thing. And the, 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 where we run into trouble is the same way we would run into trouble uh, with our heavenly father that we would with an earthly parent or an earthly person in authority. Oftentimes, a person in authority has more information than we do. And even though we can't understand why in the world would you do it that way, they say, if you had all the information, you ever do this as an adult to kids? If you knew what I knew, you wouldn't be asking for that. You can't have ice cream for breakfast, okay? Trust me. It's called diabetes. You'll learn about it later. We can't, you know, we can't, we're trying to protect you. In the same way, God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. So why do we pray? Why do we do this? And, and the reason I'm bringing this up now and back to normal is because I would like all of us, myself included, to get into this pattern of the process of prayer rather than the product of prayer. Many of you uh, might have been praying that, the, that COVID would end or that uh, uh, grandma wouldn't get COVID and then grandma got COVID and then you pray that she get healed from COVID and maybe she did and maybe she didn't and you went through this whole thing. Well, well uh, one of the things I want to talk about is the fact of why we pray. And one of the reasons we pray is because since the beginning of humanity, We've been praying to our Heavenly Father. You would converse with anyone you'd have a relationship with. Right? You pick anybody. I, ha I happen to be a fan of Tom Brady. Okay? It's all, everybody knows that. Okay? If you've been on a Zoom meeting with me in my home office, you've seen the jersey. As a matter of fact, I had somebody who asked me to cover the jersey up or they would not continue the meeting. I, I, got, I get that. I get that. I... I I've since, I have no relationship with that person. <laughs> but, but, but I, so I have this jersey, right? And so um, I know no graven images, no idols. I get all that. But I don't have a relationship with Tom Brady. I don't have a relationship with him. He doesn't call me. He doesn't ask me, hey, we we're thinking of starting out, you know, maybe with a, like four pass plays and then a run. And then we're going to go, you know, what do I do when there's cover two? Like, well, here's what you do. Make sure you pull the Mike linebacker in. Like, we don't do that. Okay. We're not, we're not friends. Since the beginning of time, humanity was to have conversation with our heavenly father. That's what happened in the garden. They would have conversation. God would come in the cool of the day. And here's what would happen. Here's what happened when sin entered. We stopped communicating. And we hid. And that's what happened. So that happened from the beginning of humanity. And then all that we read in the Old Testament of God's people. What was supposed to happen with God's people? They were supposed to be his people. And he was supposed to be their God. And they would have these times of prayer and communion with God. 
Not for the product, but for the process, for the relationship. And then it happened in the uh, New Testament. And uh, in the New Testament, last week we celebrated, we had cake, and we celebrated the birth of the church, uh, which happened on Pentecost when uh, the Holy Spirit showed up. And what were they doing when the Holy Spirit showed up? They were praying. Were they praying for the Holy Spirit to show up? No, (laughs) they weren't. They were praying, God, what do we do now? Jesus is gone, and that's great, but we're kind of in limbo. You know, that's most likely what they were praying. I don't know. I wasn't in, I wasn't there. But they were praying and the Holy Spirit shows up, right? And so you're like, sweet, we got the Holy Spirit. We're speaking in different languages. People are understanding us. Now we get it. Now we're going to start the church. Oh, and then persecution started. And then they were praying, God, let's not die. Okay, please. Amen. That would be my prayer if I was in the early church. And here's what happened. Acts chapter 12. It was about the time King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. King Herod, if you remember, there was a King Herod that killed the babies when Jesus was born. And so Mary and Joseph took them to Egypt so that they could go two years and make sure that they could, you know, Jesus would grow up. Okay, this is his grandson. Okay, that's this Herod. It was a long line of really lame people. Okay, They're politicians. What are you going to do? Okay, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Okay, now listen to this. Okay, this is the God we pray to. This is what happened. He had James, the brother of John. If you read the Gospels, James and John, they're called the sons of thunder. They were, they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus had invested a lot into James. Okay? Jesus had invested three years of ministry when he had his, the, like, the, the three dudes that Jesus would have with him when it got really crazy or he wanted to show him something were Peter, James, and John. Peter, uh, uh, Jesus invested a lot into James. And all of a sudden, in the early church, the Holy Spirit comes and he says he had James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder. James' mom at one point came to Jesus and said, who's going to sit on your right? You know, just, I just have one request. Let James sit on one side and let John sit on the other. I don't care which side. It doesn't matter. That's up to you. And Jesus says, you have no idea what you're asking. And when James got picked up by Herod, what do you think the church was praying for? Release. A miracle. Anything. God, uh, I pray that Herod would come to know you. uh, Come to know Jesus. And that uh, we'd all flourish. And um, yeah, I mean, James' safety. Everybody knew James. Everybody loved James. He was a big part of the ministry. And he gets put to death by the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews... He did what any politician would do, right? He took a poll. It came back. Yeah, we don't really like Christians. And it's like, sweet. I'm going to like try and get my base. You know, you want to get your base all whipped up. Everything's good. Jews don't, don't like it. Okay, cool. Then let's do more of what, what they, they, they like to see persecution. Let's do more of that. Okay. 
he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So there, you know, there's a lot of Jews in Jerusalem right now. Okay, a lot of Jews. After arresting him, he put him in prison and he's holding him to wait for this opportune time to kill him when it would have the biggest impact. Handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Sixteen, if my math does me correctly. Sixteen guards. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. In other words, the Jews go through all their festivals, all these things. There's the maximum amount of people. And Herod has Peter in prison. That's when I'll kill him. And then I'll be in really good shape. Right? So Peter was kept in prison. What did the church do? Well, what would you do? You prayed for James. James was really important to Jesus. And you pray, you prayed for James that he wouldn't, that he'd get released. Or that Herod would change his mind. And James died by the sword. So what would you do? When Peter goes, would you shake your head? Would you, oh man, we just got to get the right person in office. Once we get the right person in office, then, then the killing will stop. Maybe you pray that. I'll tell you what it would be for me if I were there. I'd have a hard time praying. I really would. Because I would probably knew James pretty well. And I probably play, prayed really hard. And James died. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Why? Why? Here's what I believe about the early church, especially when the Holy Spirit showed up because other things were happening. God was moving in different ways. God was moving here. Maybe he wasn't moving here. He was moving here. And so there's this sense of awe. There's a sense of awe that Acts talks about. Everybody had this sense of awe. They were sharing with one another. There was something going on that maybe, just maybe, the kingdom of God wasn't about the product of prayer. That the kingdom of God was about the process of prayer. And so they're praying earnestly. Now here's what's really cool. I love, what I love about the Bible is that it's honest. Um, if a, a leader fails or if a prominent person in the Bible, like a, Christ, like a Christian, real high up Christian like Peter, if he denies Jesus, it wasn't written like, and then Peter never denied Jesus, right? It shows flaws. And it shows a flaw in the church. And it's a flaw that exists in our church today. It's a flaw that exists in my own life today. So they pray earnestly. So what happens is an angel shows up. Peter's in prison. And it works. An angel shows up, unlocks the prison thing. It says uh, in, the, in Acts, you can read it yourself. Read your Bible. It's really awesome. And um, that he's let out of the, I don't know why I'm doing this. Because that, uh, like that's how the angel let him out. Like whatever you do, just keep going like this. Like you wind him up and there goes Peter. Okay, no. Sorry. ADD, squirrel. Okay. So uh, it let him out, but he didn't know. He thought it was a vision. And it says when he got out of the prison and he's out, he realized, oh, 
I just got let out of prison by an angel. And then, of course, in typical angel fashion, the angel leaves. And then he's like, oh, all right, well. So he goes to where the people were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance. And a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, didn't open the door, just recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. <laughs> right? That's how excited she was. And she explained, Peter is at the door. Now, how does this early church, filled with the Holy Spirit, all things are happening with awe. And they're praying. And they're so faithful that even when James is killed, they still pray for Peter. And what were they praying? Well, they were probably praying prayers of faith like you are not God, please. You are the God of everything. Just open, you can open the prison doors and set Peter free. You can do it, God. We just pray, you know, the prayers we all pray. You can do it, God. And then Peter gets released and he knocks on the door and the servant girl says, he's here. How does the early church respond? You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. What? Wait, what? No, literally, you're out of your mind, they said to her. When she kept insisting, here's the conclusion they came to. Oh, it must be his angel. If you have the faith to believe that, you can't believe that he was like what you were actually praying for actually happened. Like... Okay, let me get this straight. You don't believe that God could let him out of prison, but you believe that his ghost showed up. Ooh, see, the ghost walks the same way. As I, you could tell it was a ghost. That's Peter's ghost. He walks just like Peter. Okay, right? Why? Because it was so imperative for the early church to continue this process of prayer that has been continuing since the time we were created. We were designed, listen, listen. You and I were designed to be in communion with God regardless of the product of prayer. My faith in Jesus, my faith in my Heavenly Father does not rest on the outcome of my prayer. That would be a really difficult faith to navigate because his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Do I pray for what I want? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm telling you, if I go home and there's a Tesla in my driveway I'm going to give him all the glory. I'm not going to say it must be an angel. I'm going to do, I'm going to, no, right? We, we pray for these things. It's the process. It's the process of us. Have you ever walked somebody through pain and difficulty? And they say, would you pray for me? And inside you're going, I don't, I don't have the faith. Like you are stage four right now. I don't have the faith. That's not the point. It's the process of going before your heavenly father. Lord, I, I got nothing. And your heavenly father says, I know. I know. And this is what we're going to do. So uh, Peter motioned with his hand. He let, they finally let him in. And he motions with their hand for them to be quiet. 
you know, shh, he says. And he describes, hey, here's what happened. I was in prison. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, like my chains fell off and the door swung open. I thought I was in a dream. I didn't even know. And then I got outside and I was like, I got to go to, to where you guys. I knew you guys would be here. I knew you'd be here because I knew you'd be praying. And so this is where I came. And tell James, not dead James, okay, Paul, Peter knows this, okay? This is James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the book of James, okay? Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. And he said, and then he left for another place. And this is really cool, just to give you some insight. This was written by Luke. Luke probably knew where Peter went, but didn't mention anything, because when this came out, Peter could have been in the same place that he went to and Luke was trying to keep it quiet so they wouldn't go after Peter for persecution. Now they finally found Peter and he did, well, he was put to death. But this is what Peter saw. Peter saw the early church that was praying that received the Holy Spirit. Peter saw miracles. Peter was walking into the, into the temple one day and there was a, a person who uh, uh, couldn't walk and he was begging. And Peter's like, hey, man. Uh, well, I don't know if he said man, but hey, uh, silver and gold. I don't have any silver and gold to give you. But I do have one thing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And a miracle happened. Peter saw that. I'll bet Peter prayed that James wouldn't die. And he did. I'll bet Peter didn't want to be on the run because he, that he wanted to be with all his brothers and sisters, right? He says, hey, tell him what happened. And he, peace out, he's gone. But he also saw the church grow when the church was scattered and persecuted. And so Peter's in this tension, just like you and I are, where sometimes you pray for something and it happens, and sometimes you pray for things and it doesn't happen. And where do you sit with that? How do you move forward with that? As we move out of COVID and we go, yippee, uh, we're out of COVID. Do we stop praying? No, because it's the process of prayer, not the product of prayer. See, Peter knew something. Peter knew that regardless of what happened, regardless of how God chose in his sovereignty to answer, that to have that relationship with him, that what's happening right now on earth isn't the most important thing. Years later, here's what Peter writes. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's on the run at this point, okay? And this is where he's at. Basically, he just says, praise the Lord. Here's what it says in the Greek, basically. God be blessed. God be blessed. God be praised. What has Peter seen? He's seen really bad things happen. They're persecuting the church. People are dying. And he's seen really great things happen. And in the midst of it all, because he's into the process of prayer, not the product of prayer, he says, praise be to God. God, God needs to be blessed. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. There we go. What's the perspective? It's eternal. It does not matter what happens to me physically. It does not matter the outcome. I've been born again. 
I'm going to spend eternity with my Heavenly Father regardless of what happens. I think we lost that perspective over the last year. I think we were so caught up in how many people have a disease and how many don't and how many people die and how many don't. What's a comorbidity? I mean, we are all, honestly, every single one of us in here, I love all of our opinions because now we're all epidemiologists and we understand pandemics and disease. (laughs) Of course we don't, right? He says, but there's a God of mercy. Notice what he does is that he attributes this, he he gives Jesus this attribute, or God, this attribute of mercy. In the the first time God is, is described, it's in the Old Testament, the first word used is compassionate. If I know that I follow a compassionate God, the outcome is immaterial to me because I know it's done out of compassion and mercy. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. One of the things Peter saw with his own eyes. This is why he was okay being martyred. This is why he was... Church, there's a thing that Jesus... That Peter was uh, crucified upside down. That's doubtful. They didn't take orders. Of like how you wanted to be crucified. Okay, so maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. That's not the point. The point was he saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. And it fueled everything he did. It completely changed his life. He says, We're, we've all been born into this living hope. You, anyone who professes the name of Jesus. That says, this is who I'm going to follow. That my sins have been taken over by the cross. And into an inheritance that can never. No matter what happens, no matter how your prayers go, no matter what the next pandemic is, no matter what the next thing is, no matter, believe it or not, believe it or not, no matter who's in office. I know it's impossible to believe, but whoever's in office, this inheritance that you're promised, it'll never perish, it'll never spoil, and it'll never fade. It's indestructible, imperishable, immutable. If you believe that, if you believe that your inheritance, what's coming in the next life, this relationship with Jesus that brings us into eternity with a relationship with our Heavenly Father, can never perish, spoil, or fade, what are you going to do? I mean, what, what could possibly rattle you? A pandemic? I mean, yeah, trust me, wear a mask, get vaccinated, whatever. But your inheritance is indestructible, imperishable, and immutable. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. There's a promise of things to come. Who through faith are shielded. This is guarded. This means that there's a... um, uh, Paul uses this word in Philippians. He says, uh, and the peace of God shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Like guard, like set up a post. Your inheritance, there's a, somebody guarding that inheritance. No matter what happens to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, no matter what happens, no matter what happens to your job, no matter what happens to anything else, Peter gets this. He's like, God be blessed. Because no matter what happens, I have an inheritance. 
who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. You say, oh, good. And then if we pray really hard, then we won't have any trials and everything will be taken care of. No, though now, for now, you, uh, for a little while, and he's talking about your life, not a little while, like two more weeks, and then we get to open up, and then everything's great. June 15th, for some reason, that's a magical date. I have no idea why, but God bless them. And so, though for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief of how many kinds? All kinds, all kinds of stuff, persecution, sickness, loss, you get it. But in light of eternity, it's a little while. Now, I am not dismissing what many of us are going through in difficulties with our kids and with our jobs and all those kinds of things. But what Peter got, what he understood was that this relationship with God is a process, not a product, that ends with an inheritance of eternity with this merciful, compassionate God. He says, these have come so that the proven genuous of your what faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, which is the trials we go through, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. And he goes on to say this. Though you've not seen him, because now he's writing to, there's a good chance he's up north now, and there might be some people he's writing to who've never actually even seen Jesus. They just know that there were 500 witnesses that have been scattered, and they know the story. And so the, he's writing, and I'm glad he did. I'm glad he was scattered. I'm glad he escaped. And I'm glad he went into hiding. Because the same thing he's writing to this church, this early church here, he's writing to you and I. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And here we go. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. I pray for the process of prayer, not the product of prayer. Do I believe God heals? Absolutely, I've seen it. Do I believe God moves? No doubt in my mind. Do I believe God works all things together for his good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Without question. But when I pray... I pray for the process. Heavenly Father, I don't like the way things are in this situation. Would you please, almost like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I'm not going to bow down to these idols, to this culture. And, and go ahead and throw me in the fiery furnace. God will save me. But even if he does not, they said, I'm not going to follow your system. You're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As worship comes back up, thank you, Junior, for leading us. As we wrap up COVID and we go back to normal, are you going back to joy? Did you have joy before? Because that's what you're supposed to have. 
You say, oh, John, there's so much loss in COVID and we all this. I get, I get all that. But in light of eternity, which is why we begin to follow Jesus in the first place, at the very end is an inheritance. And what I want to do uh, before we finish up with this last song is to give you an opportunity to begin this journey. Whether you're here or you're watching online, it's very simple to begin a relationship with your Heavenly Father. Jesus made it incredibly easy. We have this sin that separates us, right? And that's, that's what keeps us from God. And Jesus dies, kind of the Old Testament, you had to have a sacrifice. So Jesus becomes a sacrifice and says, when you've accepted me as a sacrifice and you're ready to become a disciple, remember, becoming a Christian is not just raising your hand and making a decision and then you're back to life as normal. No, you begin to be a follower like James was before he was put to death by the sword. You walk in his footsteps, you follow him has confession and becoming like Jesus. That's what Christian means, little Christ. And it's just a prayer that begins you on this journey. And I want to lead us all in this prayer. And those, if you're sitting in your living room or you're watching this at a much later date, you can pray this prayer anytime. Like I say to you guys, and I say to, I pray that I've probably prayed this prayer 40 times. Like it's not a one and done. Like, this is what I pray. Dear Jesus, I know I'm flawed. I know I'm broken. I know I'm a sinner. I know I fall short. But I believe that what you did on the cross paid for my sins. You paid off the debt. I accept that. And now, Lord, I want to turn away from that. I want to turn away from my sin. I want to turn away from me being on the throne, from me being king, and place it all in your hands, whatever that might be. It might be a long life of comfort. It might be short and difficult. But I trust you, and I give you my life. I want you to be Lord of, Lord of it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you never prayed that prayer before, you have begun a relationship with Jesus. You have an inheritance that's guarded by God for you in heaven for all of eternity. Welcome. If you prayed that prayer and you remember you prayed it years ago and you, like I said, you're dipping your foot right back in the pool and you're like... I don't even know. Maybe you've been around some weird Christians. You should come to church here. There's some wacky ones. One of them preaches. Michelle. And, you know, I think that it's important. No. Welcome. The table's open. His arms are open. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to finish one song and then I'll come back up and give us a blessing. Lord, we don't understand your ways. We pray for stuff and it happens. We give you praise. We pray for stuff and it doesn't happen. And yet we have inexpressible joy. Because we know at the end of the day, it's the process of getting to know you, the process of prayer, not the product. 
We thank you for that. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we go ahead and stand for the blessing? A couple of things real quick that the early church wasn't expecting. Uh, so Herod, after Peter leaves, um, Herod comes out and he had done this deal with Tyre and Sidon and he was really feeling great about himself. And so he put on a robe. Uh, this isn't in, the, uh, in, the, in Luke. It was from another historian. And his robe was silver. And when the sun hit it just at the right time, it shone out. And so the way Luke describes it is said the, that the people said, this is the voice of a God. The way the historian writes it is that he looked like a God. And then he keeled over and was eaten by worms. So their prayers worked to some extent, just not in their timing, right? And James dies, right? Which wasn't their prayer. And here we are, celebrating the birth of the church last week in Pentecost. They work, but it's the process. Amen. And now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his peace, in his presence, in his strength, in his joy, and in his compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.